morning again, church. Good morning. Long time no see. Um, it's good to be here in front of you again. Uh, it's been a long time since I've uh, preached to you guys, especially for uh, divine service. Uh, so our, our preaching today, our message today will be on uh, storms. And uh, before we uh, start, we'll open up in a word of prayer. Let's rise and close our eyes in prayer. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for today. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for uh, bringing us here, Lord, for your heavenly mercies as you brought together uh, the congregation, Lord. Uh, pray, Lord, for uh, this message, Lord. Have uh, your word to be spoken, Lord, and your word to be heard, Lord, and not mine, Lord. I be uh, behind your cross. Uh, let your words be spoken, Lord. I pray that you uh, help us all to learn something new, be reminded of uh, the things in your word. Uh, I pray, Lord, that uh, this message will be a blessing, Lord, and that uh, you'll be with us for the rest of our services to come today, Lord. Uh, lift up uh, the rest of this day towards you, Lord, forgive us our sins, in Jesus' name we pray, Amen. So, uh, if we could all turn uh, to our opening verse, Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 and 27, uh, 23 to 27, a common, uh, common passage, Matthew's, Matthew's in the New Testament, um, Matthew 27, uh, Matthew chapter 8, sorry. Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 27. And you guys can just follow along and I'll read. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 8, verse 23 to 27. Verse 23 reads, And when he was entered into the ship, his disciples followed him. And behold, there arose a great tempest in the sea, and so much that the ship was covered with the waves. But he was asleep. And his disciples come to him, came to him, and awoke him, saying, "Lord, save us! We perish." And he saith unto them, "Why are ye fearful, O ye of little faith?" Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. Verse twenty-seven. But the men marvelled, saying, "What manner of man is this? Even the winds and the sea obey him." So here we see uh, a common passage where uh, it's the encounter of the storm and the disciples are at sea. Uh, oh, sorry. Before I start, uh, Auckland. Uh, I, I, I was born in Auckland, Waitake Hospital. That's the, the I guess, the better version of uh, what's the hospital when I was born in? Murumore Hospital. So uh, Waitake Hospital, Auckland. So I've been in Auckland for the, the greater part of my life. Uh, we went to Balu, lived there for a bit. Went to uh, South Island, Wellington. But Auckland has been. Uh, you know, uh, my home for uh, most of the time was here, and I say that because of two individuals, and you, you know these two individuals. Uh, here we have brother uh, Tim and, and Matt, and if you've known them for a while, I picked up, you know, just three things about them. First thing is, you know, they, they're amazing uh, brothers in Christ, they're amazing uh, uh, leaders, uh, they're amazing role models uh, as, as Christians. Number two is, they're always punctual. Or on time, and, and in this church, that means they're the only ones who are punctual and on time. <laughs> and last but not least, number three, I realized that they hate Auckland. And uh, the thing is, they, if you hear them talk about Auckland, it's not a lot, a lot of good. The way they talk about Auckland is the way I talk about Golden State. I, I don't like them. That's how they talk about Auckland. And I say that because recently, this past year, the start of the year, uh, that's how I know a lot of us feel about Auckland with all this, uh, the weather's. The storms, the flooding going around. Yeah, I'll, I'll let the orphans land the slide. 
you know, just for now, just because of these, these floodings. And <clears throat> throughout these floodings, you know, it's been pretty uh, uh, bipolar. Of course, they have to come in summer when school starts. And I, I'll give you a bit of statistics if you don't, uh, if you couldn't grasp uh, how how wet the season has been. Auckland has the the wettest three month span from January to now. That's the wettest that it's ever gone. And in January alone, that was during the biggest the biggest storm on January 27. That made January the wettest month in 170 years for Auckland. Oh, for all of New Zealand, as a matter of fact. So 170 years we haven't seen a storm like that. We haven't had flooding like that in a, in a while. And, you know, these storms, they come, uh, and a lot of times, you know, we, we had the storm, and I remember one time we had the alert during Pastor uh, Dato's preaching. And, you know, we get so, you know, frantic, we get so panicky, we get so, you know, we get so, uh, uh, I guess, uh, rash with our decisions when, it, when, it, when a storm comes. And that's what we'll be talking about today. Not, not the physical storms we have here in Auckland, but the spiritual storms. Firstly, we're going to look at the eye of the storm. If you'll turn with me to Psalms 107, Psalms 107 verse 28 and 29. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> Psalms 107. Verse 28 and 29. 28, then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and he bringeth them out of their distress. He maketh the storm a calm, so that the waves thereof are still. I'm not a meteorologist or anything, so I find these things are remarkable. And not just remarkable, but I find them quite ironic. The fact that through hundreds of thousands of kilometers of wind, of gusts, of whirlwinds, of of rain, of hail, that in the center of it all is this peaceful abode. And that's the eye of the storm. It, it, it's, it's, it's not uh, our way of thinking of things. That in the, in the middle of all this distress, in the middle of all this chaos, at the center of it is the most peaceful place you can be, at the eye of the storm. And that's what I want to focus on today. If you turn with me to Psalms 23 verse uh, 4, Psalms 23 4, this verse uh, really summarizes what I mean by eye of the storm. Psalms 23. <clears throat> Psalms 23 verse 4. Come and verse, yea, though I walk through the valley of death, a valley of valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. I know a lot of people that they, they go through storms, they go through through trial and tribulation, and, and what they say is, you know. Where, where is God? Where was God when I needed Him? Where was God when I went through this storm? Where was God when I, when I went through that? Where was, where, what, why did God put me through this? Why did God put me through you know, this storm or that storm? And if you, if you turn with me, Psalms 34 verse 18, it shows us where God is. Where was God during that storm? If you turn to Psalms 34 18, Psalms 34 verse 18, it says, The Lord is nigh. What does nigh mean? Near. The Lord is nigh. Verse 18. Unto them that are a broken heart, and save us such as be of a contrite spirit. So as a Christian, where was God during that storm? Where was God during that time of need? The truth is, He was closer than we actually thought. He was with you that whole time. He was in your broken heart. That's where God was. 
you know, I'm not a, I don't, I don't preach this as a, as a, as, as your therapist that you come see. I, I, I'm not a therapist. I don't have a degree in psychology. Uh, you know, but the one thing I do have is the Bible. You know, I, I don't, I don't know, you know, the whole workings of the brain. I don't know, you know, I, I'm not the best counselor. You know, I'll give counsel if I have to, you know, to my friends and stuff. But you know, I'm not. I'm usually very point blank. You know, stuff. You know, if something goes wrong. Oh, it is what it is. I'm not the best counselor. But if you're looking for a counselor through a storm, before you go to a therapist, before you, you know, go get your degree in psychology and you know, start studying about the brain and things like this, yep. you pick up your Bible. Yeah. And that's yeah. the first thing we need to realize. If we want to reach the eye of the storm, have peace in the time of storm. We need to be reading our Bible. First, uh, our first point, number one, we need to be saved. Isaiah 41 verse 10. Isaiah 41 verse 10. Uh, if you turn there, I'll just go get my photo. Isaiah 41 verse 10. Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. If you're saved here today, you have an amazing privilege that when you're going through the, a storm, you don't need to look for the eye of the storm. You just need to look within yourself. Because within yourself, each and every one of you, me, you, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior, He is within you. You have that comforter already. In uh Romans 8.35 uh, and 37, we see a common verse uh, that we often share when it comes to uh, eternal security. Verse 35, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Verse, if you jump to verse 37, Nay, in all these things we, have more than, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Here we see that Within yourself, you have that, that eye of the storm. You already have that peace within yourself if you are saved. And the blessing is that it's eternal, it's, it's secured. The eye of the storm, it doesn't matter if you're, you're in a storm at, at work. It doesn't matter if you're in a storm at maybe in church or at school or out in the world. The eye of the storm is where? It's already within you. That peace is already within you. If you oh, sorry. I, I talked to the youth uh, while we were, uh, uh, I guess, analyzing our, uh, the interview that me and Agent had for the pastors. And one of the things I told them was, if you're going to help someone, the first step isn't helping them. It's understanding them. And that's what's lovely about God's love, is that He's the most understanding person. He's the most understanding person. And in order to help someone, you've got to understand their situation before you help them. You can't just... You want to help them and you just, oh, let me just help you. No, first you have to understand what they need help with. Because a lot of times we have our own thinking. Oh, this, I see this person, he's in need. Let me help him, you know, the way that I think. But that's not the, the way it should be. We should understand them before we help them. And that's yeah. actually what God does. Yeah. And, a, and a verse that actually explains this to us uh, is uh, actually a verse that we might not think does that. And it's uh, Revelation 21 verse 8. Revelation 21 verse 8. It's quite a, a, a polarizing verse when you, if, if, if you're new to the Bible. Revelation. Oh, sorry. 
Uh, Revelation 21 verse 8. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. I'm saved now, and I've been saved for a while. And in hindsight, this verse is actually one of the most comforting verses you can have because it shows you God's understanding. It shows you what type of, of God He is. You know, uh, okay, here comes a, the boxing analogy. Here comes a sports analogy that Levy always has to put into his preachings. But when you're in a, in, in a fight, it doesn't matter the combat sport, whether it's MMA, boxing, you have the two fighters. And then you have their corner. You have the blue corner, the red corner. And in their corner, you have things like the cup man, you know, and then you have like the coach. And that's your corner. Now, say if, uh, if Brother Bong was having a boxing match. He has a boxing match with uh, Matthew. Mismatch. <laughs> <laughs> Mismatch. So if, if, if he's having a boxing match with Matthew, and say I'm in Bong's corner, I'm in his corner, and you know, round one finishes, and Brother Bong is getting, you know, beats the pole. You know, he's bloody, his eye is swollen, his forehead swollen, his nose, everything is swollen. You know, his blood is dripping out, he can't even open his eye. If he comes back round one, and he comes into the corner, and if, if you've seen boxing, you see them, you know, they're talking, like, da, da, da. a lot of boxers lose because in their corner, they have a coach that tells them when their eyes are bloody, you know, their nose is running, you know, they're you know, really beat up. They have a coach in the corner who tells them, you're doing great. You know, just keep doing the same thing. You know, you're, you're, you're winning the round. You know, actually nothing's going on right now. You're, you're beating them. It's fine. Is that the coach you want in your corner? No. The coach you want in your corner is the coach that when you've lost every single round and it's the final round and Brother Bong is absolutely beat to a pulp, he comes to the corner and I tell them, you know, you're not doing well. You need to make a decision. You need to change. You need to do something. That's the coach you want. You don't want a coach in the corner that, you know, you're about to die. And he says, you're doing great. Nothing's wrong. That's not the coach you want in your corner. And that's what I mean by this verse is so comforting. It condemns you, but that's the type of God that we have. He tells you when you're walking into a burning house. That's the God that we have. Unless we have that type of person in our lives, that type of coach in our corner, it's, we're unable to, to battle the storms. So we, we need that type of coach. We need to be saved. That's the first part. <clears throat> uh, I'm not sure who, who mentioned this. But I remember someone preached here. And they preached, uh, I remember them saying, uh, uh, Christianity is, a, is an uphill battle. If you're not moving forward, you're sliding back. There's no such thing as a state of Christian. So we need to be... Wait. Sorry, that's the a wrong point. Forget that. Remember it later. <laughs> Sorry. Um, yeah. So we need to have a... We need to have, firstly, uh, to be saved if we want to have this peace in the eye of the soul. Uh... Sorry. Uh, turn with me to Psalms 34 verse 17. Psalms 34 verse 17. Psalms 34 verse 17. <clears throat> this is the verse that was prior to the verse that we read. We read verse 18, which is, The Lord is nigh, the Lord is near. Unto them that are of a broken heart and saveth such 
as be of a contrite spirit. So we read that, and that's amazing. You know, that's a huge blessing that the Lord is near you when you're on your you know, most helpless of times, when you're in most spiritually, emotionally, physically uh, depleted times. He's there. But in verse uh, 17, we see the condition, the conditions for, for that blessing. We see the context of that blessing. In verse 17, if you uh, follow that, the righteous cry, and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of all their troubles. And that's our, our point number two. We need to be righteous. We need to be righteous if we want to have that, that peace in the eye of the storm. The first thing we see there's righteous, and we're not saying there's perfection. There is no perfect brother or sister in Christ. There is no perfect you know, youth assistant leader. There's no perfect youth leader. There's no perfect deacon, and there's no perfect pastor. But the Lord didn't call you to be uh, perfect because we, we can't reach it. But, uh, <clears throat> uh, sorry, there's a, there's a quote from a, an NFL coach. His name is uh, Vince Lombardi. Vince Lombardi. And he's widely regarded to be considered the, the GOAT, the greatest of all time in terms of NFL coaches. In terms of coaching as a whole, he won five Super Bowls and it was within a short amount of time. And he has a quote that I think, you know, really resonates with this verse. And the quote is, Perfection is not attainable, but if we chase perfection, we can catch excellence. In your Christian life, with your walk with God, you're never always 100% going to be walking one-of-one one ratio in the footsteps of God. You won't. You, it's, it's, it's impossible. You won't be able to meet God's standard. But if we chase that standard every day we wake up and every day we, uh, every night before we go to sleep, if we chase that standard, maybe you won't walk one-to-one -one ratio in His footsteps, but we can, we're able to walk closer every day. That we choose to chase that standard that He has set in the Bible, we may not reach it, but we may get closer to God in that walk. You might not be walking, you know, one of one with them, you know, uh, you're obviously going to mess up. No one's, no one's perfect. But God's not calling you to be perfect. He's, chasing, he's calling you to chase that perfection. Yeah. You know, uh, a lot of times people say, oh, if you, if you chase perfection, you know, it's such a, it's, it's too high a standard. It's too high a high standard. You know, people get, you know, you know anxiety and depression because, you know, you're chasing the standard that you just will never reach. But the thing is, this standard, God has already told us that we can't reach it. We already fall short. He is, he is already, he's assured that you're not going to reach the standard. But it's the fact that we, every day when we, we wake up, we press forward. We get closer to that standard. We chase it. Yeah. Not, not, to, not to reach and finally achieve you know, 100% holiness, 100% greatness, but to get closer to God. Because that's where God is. He's at this standard. And we need to chase that standard. You, you won't reach it, but you'll get closer to God in your Christian yeah. walk of, uh, in life. So he calls us to be righteous. <clears throat> That's the, uh, the first thing there. Secondly, we need to be helpless. If you see there in the verse, it says, the righteous what? The righteous cry. The righteous cry. <clears throat> and the Lord heareth and delivereth them out of their troubles. They cry. They pray to God because they know in the storm they're helpless without Him. In Matthew 14, Matthew 14, Verse 26 to 31. 
Matthew 14. Matthew 14, verse 26, uh, 26 to 31, uh, familiar passage. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a spirit, and they cried out for fear. For straightway Jesus spake unto them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me to come unto thee on the water. And he said, Come, and when Peter was come down, come down out of the ship, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Verse 30, But when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid, and beginning to seek, he cried. He cried, saying, Lord, save me. Verse 31, And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand, and caught him, and said unto him, O thou of little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? <clears throat> A lot of times, uh, in, in the Christian ministry, we like to, you know, use Peter as a punching bag because he's so rash, he's so impulsive with his decisions. So we just use him as an example of what not to do. That's who Peter is a, a lot of time. And a lot of time we focus on that last line that Jesus said in verse 31, with thou little faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? That's a lot of times in the preachings, that's all we focus on. You know, Peter, he didn't have enough faith. He didn't, have, he didn't trust God. That's why he began to seek. That's all a lot of times we focus on. But for this message, we'll focus on that part where and beginning to sink, he cried, saying, Lord, save me. I know a lot of times, you know, you want to be, you know, uh, uh, help yourself, you know. You don't want to be a burden to others. You don't want to be a, a, a burden to others. You don't want to ask this person for help. You don't want to be a burden. But that's not how we, how we treat God. <clears throat> he cried, uh, Peter, cried, saying, Lord, save me. He cried, he called on him. And for us, it's prayer. Peter knew there was nothing he could do against the boisterous waves. The waves were too high, the waves were too fierce, and he began to sink. He began to sink, but at least with Peter, he knew that he had someone he could cry out to. Yeah. He cried. He realized he was helpless. When he began to sink, he doesn't start, you know, doggy paddling. The first thing he did was he cried to the Lord. Is that our... our when we look at ourselves, is that what we do? As soon as we begin begin to sink, do we start, you know, oh, we just try to help ourselves at times. And a lot of times, the waves are too high for us to help ourselves. We need to cry. Cry to the Lord. <clears throat> if you want peace in your life, you need to be aware that without God's help in the storm, you won't find that peace in the eye of the storm. You need God to lead you. Also notice that when Peter cried unto the Lord, when did he cry? If you read the verse, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid and beginning to sink. Beginning. When we are helpless, you know, there's, there's degrees to it. Peter, he called for help in the beginning. The beginning of his trial, the beginning of his turmoil, he called unto the Lord, he cried to God. Peter didn't wait for his head to be under the water, drowning. Lord, please save me. I'm drowning now. That's not how we treat God in our Christian life. We don't wait for us to be drowning and sin to be drowning yeah. in turmoil to cry to God. Yeah. We, we ought to be like Peter, beginning to sink. Beginning. Yeah. At the moment, the first instance, we see, you know, you know, I don't think I can get through this by myself. That's when you call unto God. 
at the beginning. Yeah. Not when we're, 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 you know, nose underwater, we can't breathe. He should be the first person we call in the storm. He shouldn't just be an emergency phone number. We don't treat God as, 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 a, as an emergency, 911, only call during emergencies, no. So God should be the first one we call. In Acts 16, 22 to 24, Acts 16, 16, 22 to 24. 22, and the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates rent off their clothes and commanded to beat them. And when they had laid, and when they had laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely. Who, having received such a charge, thrust them into the inner prison and made their feet fast in the stocks. So here, Paul and Silas, right now they're going through their storm. That, and that's a, that's a big storm. I've never been you know, physically abused like that. I've never been cast into prison. So I can't imagine, I can't fathom it. But you can see here that they're clearly going through their own storm. And if we read the next verse, verse 25, we can see their solution. What was their solution to the sad storm in their life? Verse 25, And at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed. They prayed. That's a synonym for crying. They, they cried out to the Lord. They prayed. They prayed and sang praises unto God, and the prisoners heard them. You'll notice, uh, if you're familiar with the text, they eventually, you know, you know, their prayers were heard, and they were eventually freed, an earthquake came, you know, they, all their bonds and stocks were, were loose. But it's, it's, it's good to see that in this example, they cried unto the Lord, and they sang praises before they were free. Before they were free. A lot of times, oh, sorry. We see here, God hadn't brought the earthquake and freed them yet, but whether He did or didn't, they already found peace in the Lord. They already found peace even though they weren't free. And that's what I mean by the eye of the, eye of the storm. The eye of the storm is still in the storm, but yet you've already found peace. When I say peace, I don't mean, you know, you're frolicking on some grass fields. That's not what I mean. When I say you found peace in the eye of a storm, I mean you're still in tribulation. You're still dealing with things, but yet you still have that peace within you. That's what I mean. I don't mean, you know, there's, there's no wars going on, you know, you're living a great life, you have a great income, you have a house and everything. Everything is blessed. That's not a, what I mean by peace. When I say peace, I mean you're going through it, there's a hundred kilometer headwinds in your face, you know, there's rain, is pouring, and yet you still have peace. That's the peace I'm referring to. Peace when you're still in the storm. Peace is not the absence of danger, but the presence of God. You would have heard Pastor Adrian say that a lot when he uh, talks about uh, the subject. Peace is not the absence of danger, but the presence of God. We see the same thing with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they're faced with uh, their, their sentence, their death, in the furnace. You see that they left it to God. They already had that peace, even though they knew you're about to get thrown into the furnace. That's the peace that I want to share with you guys. It's not the peace where you're relaxed, you have an amazing life. It's a peace where, you, like Shadow Vishkin and Bendigo, 
You're about to get thrown in a furnace and yet you still have that peace with God. That's the peace. Pastor Adrian talked about that uh, time with his mangoes and the mango plantation. And you know, there's a storm coming and there's nothing you can do about it. You know, the, the, harvest, the harvest is going to be ruined, all the mangoes gone. And what did Pastor do? He prayed. He prayed to God and he looked back and the storm was gone. That's the peace. The storm is coming. You can't control the storm. It's not up to you. It's not your battle to go out and fight the storm. You can't. What God asks you to do is cry. Just be helpless. Let God take, take over. Pray unto Him. What do I need to do? So pray. Let yourself be helpless. Let God help you in your storm. John chapter 14 verse 27. <clears throat> Peace. I leave with you my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. You know, uh, as soon as you get to school, there's already a, a, a timetable for your life already scheduled. And you know, that, that's considered peace to the world. You know, you have your life figured out. By the time you're 18, you're an adult, everything should be figured out. Get a job, you know, do this, have a family, you know, raise your family or basketball point guards, whatever. You know, that's, you know, when, when the world thinks of peace, you know, you go to your psychiatrist, you know, and they say, oh, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's just about how you feel, you know. This world is so much on feelings, on feelings, on emotions. And that's not the, the peace that God gives. Because the peace that God gives, He gives it in any situation. It says there, not as the world giveth. Yeah. Not as the world giveth. Yeah. That doesn't only mean that God gives you a peace that the world can't give. It gives you the peace in a world that you can't withstand. When you go into, you know, out of these doors, it's not all a bed of roses, and I'm sure you all know that. It's not all, you know, a walk in a park. Yeah. And you know, a lot of times, you know, how, how are we supposed to receive the peace from the world when the world is who we're fighting against? You don't receive peace from your enemy. Yeah. Uh, that's not going to happen. Yeah. If, you're, if you're looking for peace in the world, while you're fighting the world, I, I don't think that's going to go well. Yeah. So he says there, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. That's the peace we're looking for. <clears throat> sorry. Lastly, we'll see. Sorry. <clears throat> A different aspect of the storm. But our last point is, the devil doesn't need you to drown. The devil just needs you to slip. Let's turn to 1 Peter 5.8. 1 Peter 5.8. <clears throat> Sorry. 1 Peter 5.8. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. When the Bible says devour, a lot of times, unknowingly, we might get prideful. You know, you see devour, and you think macro, you think big, you know. You think, you know, a, a lion absolutely demolishing you. In our context, you think of boisterous waves like Peter did. You think of really gusting winds, things like that. That's what we think when you think devour, you know. We think devour, I'm not devoured yet. I come to church, you know, every service. How am I devout? You know, I, I go to youth program. How am I, how, you know, I don't think I'm devout. I'm not an alcoholic. You know, I, I, I don't drink. I'm not devout. I'm not a murderer. The devil hasn't devoured me. He hasn't, he hasn't gotten to me. But that's not what devout means. 
The devil doesn't need to drown you to devour you. He just needs you to slip. And what I mean by that is, a lot of times, our testimony can be ruined just with a slip. And those, those slips, they're not, you know, they're, they're not the big, the big, you know, headlining uh, sins that we think of, you know, when you think of sin. You're not a murderer. You know, you're not a killer. You're not this or that. But I guarantee each and every one of you, including me myself, we have those puddles that every day we wake up and we just seem to slip on. We just slip. Every single time we get to that, that point in our lives. There's that, there's that little sin <coughs> sorry, that maybe doesn't drown us. We still come to church, even though we do that. We still you know, attend services, but we keep on slipping up. Just those small, those, those small things. And what those, those small slips do is that ruins your testimony. You know, I'm sure, you know, maybe you know someone who they were in, you know, they were in the church every, you know, every service and now they're, you know, they're off, they're derailed to the max. You know, they don't want anything to do with God. That's not what the devil is, is looking to do in a lot of our lives. The devil's not looking to absolutely derail you off in your Christian life. Sometimes he just wants you to, to fall a little in front of your brothers and sisters. That's what he wants. For example, there's this thing called... <clears throat> Uh, free up. Where is it? There's 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 a thing with elite deep sea divers. A lot of time, they don't drown. You know, 50 meters into the water. A lot of times, they drown in pools. They they drown in like one meter puddles. That's how they drown. And there's a thing called, sorry, I've forgotten the name. Free diving blackout. Free diving blackout. That's what it's called. It's those those elite divers and they when you go in you've got to hold your breath for a while and doing it over and over and over again holding your breath over and over again what it does is it builds up a tolerance of co2 in your body you don't get that, that if you've ever been swimming you go into the water and after a while you know your brain clicks and you shoot up because you can't handle it there's too much co2 build up you don't have that tolerance but deep sea divers they can stay underwater for you know minutes five minutes at a time because they, they built up such a, a big tolerance for that build-up, that tier 2. And a lot of times, they'll just go swimming in a pool, you know, that's a puddle compared to, compared to the ocean that they normally swim in, and they end up dying in two minutes. And when they die, their lungs are completely dry, they don't have any water in it. But what's happened is, they become so tolerant to their CO2 build-up, they don't realize they're drowning while they're drowning. It's, it's built up so much that there's no more oxygen in their brain, but they can't feel it because they're so, their body's so tolerant of that CO2 buildup. And they end up drowning in shallow water. And that's what happens in our Christian lives. When a wave comes, you know, we just hold our breath. And we Christians, they get so good at holding their breath. When sin comes, they become so good at, you know, digging into sin and, you know, holding their breath. And, you know, you can always just come up. That when it comes to those, those small sins, we end up dying because we don't realize we're drowning. And those shallow sins, and those shallow, those shallow waters. We end up being like those, those deep sea divers. We become, you know, as a Christian, your job is not to, when the wave comes, you hold your breath and you wait for, you know, when you feel like you need to go up and you go up. No, when the wave comes, you just cry for help as soon as the wave comes. It's not your job to hold your breath and sin and just tolerate it day in and day out and day in and day out. <coughs> because one day, you're not going to die in that massive ocean. You, it's not going to be that 50 meter deep pool that you, that you drown in. It's going to be that, that little puddle where you, it becomes so tolerated that you don't even realize you're drowning. 
And I know that's the, that's the same for me. You know, I come to church, you know, I, I do all of this, and all of a sudden you become prideful, you know. I'm, I'm, I'm an alright Christian. But then there's this, those small things, and I won't point it out in your life, because I guarantee if you have the Holy Spirit within you, you, know already, you already know what it is. I won't point it out, but each of us in our lives, we have that one thing that, you know, we just push off, we just tolerate it, because it's not a deep sin. It's not a deep pull, so we tolerate it. And then you end up dying to that little puddle, because you tolerated it so much that you don't even know you're drowning. And that's what I mean by, the devil doesn't need you to drown, he just needs you to slip. Just a slip. If he just gets you to slip, that's enough for him. Because you've ruined your testimony in front of others. So, <clears throat> I'll just do a little recap. So number one, sorry. So, I have the storm. I have the storm. That peace I was talking about, that peace is the presence of the Lord, not the absence of danger. Of course you're going to go through a storm. You know, it's guaranteed. It already says in the Bible, the righteous will suffer. It's already guaranteed. So we're not. Look, I'm, I'm not sharing with you the, the you know, some you know prosperity, uh, prosperation preaching, where you know everything's going to be all right. You know, you have a wonderful life. Go out. You know, if you bring in your tidings, you're going to have a mansion. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that that peace that God wants is that peace when you're when you're down under, you're stuck in the mud, and yet you still have peace in the Lord. That's the eye of the storm. Number one, uh, number two, we need to be saved. We need to be saved. We need to have that coach in our corner to tell us that you're going in the wrong direction. We need that coach in the corner to, to, to motivate us. Number three, we need to be righteous. You won't be perfect, but chase perfection. Chase that, 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 that model that is Christ. Christ is the, is, is, is the highest you can achieve. You, you won't get there, but it's, it's a worthy thing to chase it. Chase it even though you, you won't get it. And lastly, oh sorry, not lastly, we need to be helpless. Be helpless. You know, when you're in a storm, or when you're in a, in a, in a riptide, what do they tell you to do? Do they tell you to fight against the riptide? No. You're going to get exhausted. You can't fight a riptide. They tell you to just relax, and eventually you drift off and you, you reach the shore. You're going to get exhausted if you're just fighting the wind. Don't fight the wind. Be helpless. Be like Peter. As soon as you can sink, you reach out your hand, Lord save you. That's our attitude as a Christian. And lastly there, as we just covered, the devil doesn't need you to drown. He just needs you to slip. Don't put one sin over the other. That's when we start slipping. Oh, I'm not a murderer. Oh, I, 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 I haven't killed anyone. I don't, I don't smoke. I don't drink. I don't do these, these big sins. And we start putting sins on a pedestal. That's not what we do. We need to watch out for every, every, every sin. Every sin is a sin. Yes or no? Yeah. Every sin is a sin. Yeah. So then why do we have to, you know, put one over the other? I'm not, I'm not a murderer. And what? The Lord, you know, the, the, I'm sure the devil has gotten people on the small things. You're not a murderer. You, you attend every service. Are you I, I, I able to get to every service? Just taking those little steps. Watch out for those, those puddles. Because eventually you're drowning. So that's the, the eye of the storm. Hopefully you guys will, will find that peace. You know, it, it won't, I'm not promising a, a, a smooth ride. But as long as God's in the car, I'm sure we'll be alright. So we'll close in, a, close in a word of prayer. As far as we close our eyes, Lord, we thank you Lord, for today, Lord. Lord, uh, we know that you know, uh, life uh, as, as, as your servants is not an easy life, but it can be a peaceful one, Lord. So we pray, Lord, that uh, you be with us, and if we don't have that comfort, Lord, if it's one of us that are unsaved, we pray, Lord, that you'll soften their hearts, receive 
salvation, Lord, to, to able to see your, your love and the word of God that you have given us, Lord. Help us, Lord, to be better for you, Lord. Uh, pray for all the services to come, for youth program as well, Lord. Uh, and I would pray, Lord, uh, lift up the rest of this uh, this afternoon towards you, Lord. Forgive us our sins. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.